This is Ian Camp, and you're listening to What's Going On, Dre? What's up, man? What are you at? What are you doing? What you up to? What's shaking? How you now? Welcome to What's Going On, Dre, with your host, Andre Pettipaw, and today I have my good friend Ian Camp as a guest. How's it going, Ian? Oh, it's good, man. It's going good. So today I uh, didn't do it at my place. We went into Ian's studio, Shoebox Studios, figured this has kind of been the second home for the band, so why not go see him at work? I mean, that also guaranteed my attendance, I guess. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. it would have been hit or miss whether I could get out of here. <laughs> He's like, you want to do it at your place or at the studio? I was like, well, I'll just come to you, and then we'll, we know we can't both uh, have other plans when I show up. It's hard for me to dodge you if you just come directly to the door. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Speaking of dodge, we uh, dodged a bullet by playing our first show before Giant Stock. Hey! On the weekend, myself and drummer of the Giants, Mark Kosh, joined Ian, the Ian Camp Trio for a show downstairs at uh, the Cantina. And we're looking forward to the next set, possibly in the, at Giant Stock, maybe beforehand. Would be nice to sneak another one in somewhere, just, you know. To get it a little more stage ready? Just, well, you know, sneak a rehearsal in, maybe another little warm-up gig before we get to the uh, giant thing that will be Giant Stock. Exactly. So we... Um, we we play like nine songs the other night. We precisely did nine songs. Nine songs, and uh, this was super fun. Uh, I got to hop on bass, which I don't get to do much. And Ian has these super catchy tunes. He showed us a little while ago. I'm like, yeah, I'll play some bass on your tunes. <laughs> Showing over well. It was uh, not like yesterday's release show. Uh, so you produced. Mixed, engineered everything on that album. It was an awesome album to work on. A year and almost a year and a half we've been working on it for. Lynn's been in and out of the studio pretty much. Also, like I said, we had a lot of second home people here at Shoebox. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's an inviting space. You no, know, we want, well, we wanted to get used, so that's good. But yeah, the release party, we had the brilliant idea we would introduce this trio show as part of it. We kind of whirlwinded that together with the dweeb single party on Friday night. The first rehearsal, only the third rehearsal I think we ever had for the (laughs) trio set. That morning? Uh, At 9 a.m., you guys went and played another (laughs) giant show at about 5 p.m. to then do a 9 p.m. trio set back here at the cantina. So it was a bit of a whirlwind. Rock and roll. It's uh, It's not pretty, but you make it happen. Damien, I appreciated it. <laughs> it was a blast, and making things happen, that's what you do here at Shoebox. So you're not just a studio here, you've got a restaurant and a stage downstairs, your venue, you've also got the drive-in, so you've got your hands in a lot of different entertainment um, things happening around Pictou County. Let's hear about how it started. <laughs> in my garage? It, uh- <laughs> that's where it always starts. Uh, well, actually, I guess originally in my shared three-bedroom apartment in Halifax was when I first uh, <laughs> got my first recording gear. What was your first setup? It was a uh, PreSonus Firebox. Amazing. Do you remember those? Yep. Like a <laughs> fire. I don't, they don't even use Firewire for pretty much anything, I don't think, anymore. But no. somewhere between the original USB and what USB is now, they also in, had this thing called Fire. Wire. We had the uh, PreSonus Studio Live mixer, mm-hmm. and that kind of shit the bed on us a little bit ago. So 
Presonus gear was it was good for the time. Oh, like, yeah. It was. I talked to like my uh, TA in some computer course, and he, he was in a band, I guess, and I think Rob was his name. And uh, I was like, he was like, yeah, we just finished recording our album. I did it all at home, and I was like, what did you use for that? Man? Right. He's like, oh, well, if you really want, like, I used this uh, this thing called the Presonus Firebox, and I was like. Getting it. <laughs> the next day, Ian went and got it instead of recording in the uh, the apartment. Yeah. So after that, you moved it to your we garage. Expanded. Expanded. We expanded from the apartment to a, to a garage. Yeah, that was in uh, 2015. It was a starting um, like recording your own projects. The big scheme of 2015 was uh, that I somehow managed to get a master's degree. Uh, with instead of writing a thesis, I got to start a studio. Oh, that's sick! Uh, it was a master's in technology, entrepreneurship, and innovation, and uh, that meant that instead of writing out a big thesis, we could also do a uh, a project, which would be starting a business. And I thought, well, I've got that. Just hold on a second. That's way uh, cooler <laughs> than doing that. It's doing the opposite. Yeah, so the sort of proof of concept of the studio was, yeah, recording my own project to sort of get everything rolling down. And, you know, we had to do like a business plan and a marketing plan and, yeah. um, you know, all of this official businessy stuff that has come in handy later. Yeah. Um, so you got to start right off the cuff with what you're doing now. Yeah, well. Since the beginning is kind of like, here you go. The the problem was I was uh, I was working as a project manager at Sobeys, uh, <laughs> so I was doing like a standard, you know, 35, 40 hour work week, mm-hmm. coming home, uh, working on a master's degree, <laughs> and then doubling that into building, launching, and then recording an album at this uh, as since unstarted studio. Amazing. Um, so, so my so, wife didn't see me a whole lot. <laughs> so um, some things have never changed. Yeah, what you're saying? she has become used to being there when I need to be there, yeah. and also being here when I need to be here. So, well, it's the thing. It's you got to be busy to be successful and to want more. You have to be active, and you have to continuously build your dream and build your goals. And it seems like you're doing fantastic work here. We did, we did our. Um, album here as well as the hip studio and it was a blast we spent a week here back in november we had the studio to herself you was also engineered whirlwind of a of a five six days yeah like it's it's those things um, people that don't do music don't understand the amount of stuff that has to go on in the run of a day to go correctly plus like the sequence of things that you have to do some days you have a bad vocal day where it's like, oh, I can't really sing this day. Well, you got to have something lined up to do so you're not wasting time, people's mm-hmm. energy, people's money. There's definitely uh, moving the project along in such a way so that, right. all right, well, I can't do, you know, I can't do vocals today. Or, mm-hmm. I can't record piano today because, you know, the pianos are doing it. Sorry. All right. Well, you're here. How are we going to be productive? You can either, I guess, leave for the rest of the day and we'll get nothing done. Yeah. Or how do we move the project along? Yeah. You know? All right, well, we can still put a piano bed track down, but then we can add the acoustic guitar, then you can add the vocals, and we can come back later and adjust whatever we need to adjust. But you have to, in order to be as efficient with the studio as possible, because, I mean, time is time is limited. Money. Time <laughs> is money, yeah. And, uh, you know, 
I don't want to waste my day. You don't want to waste your no. day. And I don't want to waste your money. No, exactly. Um, I'm certainly not here to try to make any project more expensive than it has to be. I understand everybody's working off of a budget and everybody's yeah. trying to just, if they're here, they're really committed to making music. Yeah. They're getting outside of their bedroom. They want to do have a project that is elevated yeah. and they're spending the time and the resources with something of quality and of good vibes. Like, yeah. like here in the studio now, you've got uh, multiple different rooms that are isolated and you could, by now it's pretty close to being able to do everything live off the floor because you can see everybody at once. Like when we rehearsed here, me and you were in the control room and Mark mm-hmm. was in the drum booth and it, it was enough to separate so that the noise, we weren't hearing drums the whole time, but we could comfortably rehearse. That's a cool thing. Yeah, it's kind of a uh, unique setup it with is, yeah. the uh, the old radio station rooms. Um, it's it's perfect for a studio. It like I looked at this building probably five years ago for the first time, um, and there was it was a disaster, mind you, right. except for these rooms. And even the ceilings and the floors of these rooms needed to all be replaced. But the So walls... you replaced the ceilings here? Oh, yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if this was original. Uh, the grids for the T-bar and stuff were fine, if we yeah. want to get into construction details. Got uh, <laughs> but all the tiles basically had to be replaced, right. some for water damage. Falling down and stains. Yeah, and... there was okay. roo- roof repairs. You helped me with one of the roof repairs, actually. <laughs> um just and same thing with the floors like the floors probably hadn't been replaced and it was retrofitted to be a radio station in 1973 and i would imagine those floors had been there since then by the look of them they had some damage done to them Um, but the walls and the insulation and the the perfect sort of diffuser spacing it's all just very vintage 70s sort of vibe but it's got a homey feel to it. Like, you you play those drums in the in the drum room, mm-hmm. and if Mark's in there playing or somebody's in there playing, and you're walking down the hall, you're like, oh yeah, this drums yeah. and then you open the door and it's like you'd hit by a shotgun. Right? Sh- yeah, bah! they diffuse well. Like yeah. the separation between rooms is amazing. Yeah, it's uh, even the windows. One of the things for the renovation was we had to repair some of the seals on their double pane windows, both inside and outside. So there was like three days where they came and they removed the outer pane of the windows. Okay. And I had a rehearsal here for when we were doing the JD Fortune Band stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you play now, play drums now and you walk out by the alley, like right outside, you might hear them a little bit. But not that day, close. that day, you may as well have not had any windows really? at all. It was like you were just playing drums in downtown Glasgow on the roof or something. It was super loud, so it was all like yeah, like the Beatles doing their get back sessions. Yeah, like this. I can't, couldn't believe what a big difference the the double pane glass made. Yeah, when we took out one pane for a couple of days. I was like, all right, well, I guess we need to have. That. We got to do this. This is yeah. necessity. Yeah. When did you open up this building? Like, this has been so. Was the studio first before the restaurant? The uh, building price uh, that we would go on to buy it for was agreed to in February mm-hmm. of 2020 for a closing date of oh, April 2020. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we so all know what happened then. <laughs> a few things uh, changed. Delayed. Uh, and <laughs> no, no delay, actually. The date held. Yeah. Uh, it made for a really interesting construction process. Fair uh, 
the first stages of we sort of broke the building into segments. The studio was the first one we were going to tackle, and basically, uh, me and my cousin Ryan Fraser kind of overhauled this entire space. Um, for the most part, in that late April, early May period, mostly just the two of us, or we'd get one contractor in here at a time because yep. they weren't allowed to have two set two oh, sets of trades on yeah. site at the time, right? Weird. Yeah, it was uh, a super sort of weird um, way to operate. Um, but it was basically like we did all the demo, um, yeah. replaced all the tiles and everything. Eventually got ripped all the old paneling off the wall and everything. Um, got a drywaller in to not... The drywall that was here was fine, but it was not mudded. It was hiding behind the paneling. It was yellowed from years of, you know, sitting here since 1970. And got a drywaller in to do all the mudding, because I don't yeah. know if you've ever done... Uh, oh, I hate it. One yeah, of, like, if my... you're ever going to outsource any job, it is the crack filling of drywall. Agreed. Or just drywall in general. Yep. Um, like, I put wood <laughs> on my ceilings because I got hit by Just because just you didn't want to do drywall? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, the other two rooms... I wanted to go wood in both of the rooms, and we're like, well, let's try drywall to save some money. By the end of it, it's like, man, it wouldn't have cost that much more, and we wouldn't have had to touch a single thing of drywall. Dust. And, like, dust, dust and just, everywhere. you go have to go over it. Thankfully, um, my wife's father did it. Mm. But he did all that stuff. I'm like, I don't know how to do this, for one, and I'm going to make a mess of it. So me and my old man... Put up the drywall, and he did all the hard stuff. <laughs> there's a there's one room in my house. We've been in the same house for like eleven years now. We've kind of slowly renovated the whole house piece by piece, like one room at a time, sort of thing. Yeah. But there's, there's one still room. One room that needs the drywall. No, there's one room that I did all of the uh, drywalling and crack filling and everything myself, <sighs> and it sucks. Like it looks fine if you if you if you don't go spe- if you go specifically looking for the flaws <laughs> you, you know like, where everything is you fuck that up yes you fuck that man up. we let us wear on here oh you're allowed yeah, to say we fuck that anything up. we fuck that up <laughs> fuck that up but i'm also like yeah, i've converted that just into being like the bar and the hang like, room yeah so I'm okay, like, is that care. where you yeah yeah okay yeah, it used to be the one of the studio well my home studio i've yeah. moved that to a different room anyway so you went matter. from apartment but, to garage to your home Mm-hmm. To where we're at now on uh, Provo Street in Glasgow. Yeah. And how did you end up doing the restaurant part of this? Like, what what was the uh, correlation well, there? Well, the uh, the reality of the building is that you know the studio needed debatably the upstairs and really like half of the upstairs. Um, yeah. It's a big building. The radio booths were really only in the front half and. Mm-hmm. Everything we've ever recorded has been in basically a quarter of the building. Yeah. So then what do we do with the rest of the space? Um, And as, you know, as a musician who's played around a bunch of the different spaces in Picto County and everything, it was always kind of... Hard-pressed to find an original Well, there's beautiful places like the DeCoste Center. Yep. That seat, you know, three, four hundred people. And even Glasgow Square, that is... Same, what it same is, capacity, but yeah. yeah. Or other than that, it was basically like you could do a church show, yeah, or you can play in the corner of a bar, yeah. And there was nowhere that was sort of dedicated to Kinda original sure, music, yeah. to putting music at the forefront of when the show is on. Right. That's what is on. It's not background music. It's yeah. not you know you're not just playing to a bunch of drunk people. You're here to. Enjoy the show. Put on a show. Mm-hmm. 
um, put on a performance. I sometimes call them performances. I like that. Um, because like that, that is better. what it's supposed to be. Yeah, right? it's not just some dude playing a guitar behind music, behind people eating. Yeah. No, I like that. So it was sort of how do we build that? And there was a bunch of different ideas. I mean, there was just some sort of tap room. There was like a seated venue we talked about. There was a whole bunch of different ideas. Um, and then, you know, basically by a few different circumstances and happenstances and uh, coincidences, uh, I met Patrick and Rose, uh, our chefs downstairs, who are, uh, we had one night and we were putting together all the chairs and stuff that we'd ordered for downstairs. And they were like, yeah, well, we'll just come and we'll like make some food while you guys do that. We were like, all right, well, sounds good. Yeah, that'll be fun. We had like one keg of beer that we had at that time that was in stalls. We had some beer and we had them making food off of like a hot plate and a a plug-in air fryer. (laughs) And it was like, well, I guess we solved the food problem because we're going to be serving this now. That's Uh, amazing. And yeah, it's been, uh, you know, they're great. They're yeah, that's top of the line as far as good people, great cooks, great. The food downstairs for me is like, thank you very much. I don't even. There was one day I came in and there was this like salmon meal, Mm. and I don't even eat salmon. (laughs) And there was a girl in the restaurant, and she's like, "You should try that." Yeah, I'm usually like a chicken fingers. Like I'm like pretty basic, <laughs> or I like really hot food. But there was these kind of they look like peas, but they're really salty. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> they, <laughs> Edamame maybe or something yeah, like maybe, that. Yeah. Oh no, no capers for the salmon. Yeah, capers, capers, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Okay, so I had that with the salmon. It was like kind of like in a wrap or something. Oh, there's the salmon crepe. Crepe. That's yeah, exactly yeah, what it was. Yeah, the brunch. Yeah. So I had that, and I was like. Oh my God, I think I like salmon now. (laughs) You've converted me to a salmon person. So that was like, holy crap. And I don't think I've had it since. It was a special one day. On July 7th, we'll be launching our, uh, that's our one year anniversary as the Shoebox Cantina. Oh, really? So we'll be launching our latest menu. And then on the 8th, we'll be doing our... uh, our brunch menu that will we've been working on sort of temporary oh, brunch man. menu for the last little while as we get this stuff ready but the sm- salmon crepe is on the, the so next friday menu. it is next saturday because it's saturday. brunch but yes right i was um, gonna say we're not but it's on the home. temporary brunch menu now if you want to come in saturday or sunday well i'm gonna come <laughs> in this saturday next saturday no we're gonna be gone <laughs> that is upsetting because we're releasing our album that day with the new menu but maybe the sunday when we get back we're back in time. Brunch it up, man. Because like now up. my I'm salivating just there's thinking a, about there's that. There's a Reuben crepe. Do you like Reubens? There's a Reuben crepe. I don't know. I pretty well like anything that's served downstairs here. I'm like, <laughs> try me out. Yeah. We come here and Patrick's like, try this new dish. I'll try anything twice. <laughs> First time it could be like a little mistake. It might not be a day off. You know what I mean? You're like your taste buds aren't there. Yeah. You try a second time. It's like all right, that's insane. And even the food, like in terms of. You know, you asked how we sort of, how downstairs sort of developed. Yeah. And like like I said, the music was sort of, because Before. there wasn't something that was doing it. So mm-hmm. it was just trying to, you know, fill up Filling a space gaps. in the community yeah. of something that's not there. And the food is the same thing. Like we're... we're doing something different. We started doing tacos and, and sort of Mexican, Spanish tapas stuff because right. there was nowhere really doing that. Mm-hmm. I seen um, Getty Lee the other day. He's like, mm-hmm. what's originality? He said, taking all your influences and making them your own. Mm. I 
I was like, that is amazing. That's the best way to describe it. And that's like for me, when people ask what's my style, I'm like, well, I'm a fan of all these things. And how do you make your own? Because you go out there with the confidence and display it with songs you've written. Mm -hmm. I was going to segue me into your music. How, Mm -hmm. How did you get into it? What's your influences? Like, where did this all stem from? It's a, beginning to perform and write. It's a bad question. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a good question. Uh, Shania Twain, I know to, you're a big fan of to, her. Hey, man. Same as me. I would challenge you that nothing has slapped harder in country music since Shania Twain Agreed. in the 90s. Agreed. Um, except for maybe Garth Brooks in the 90s. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, there was this guy, uh, Dio, that was in here the other night. And uh, do you know Dio? I can't remember what his last name. Dio, I only know Dio like from Black Sabbath. And uh, he was like, hey man, like you gotta, like, what's your music like? And right. what's it sort of sound like? He was a musician too. He's from Ottawa. Okay, um, cool. But here originally. Anyway, um, he was like, what's your music sound like? Give me two artists. And then later he was like, and the two artists that you say, they should be totally different sort of spectrums, but still somehow make sense because it'll make people interested. And I was like, cool, but Will, answer this question. What does my music sound like? Because I don't yeah. know. It just sounds like stuff i wrote yeah um like your biggest like your influences i i hear a lot of matchbox influence from listening to your stuff yeah and it's right up my alley like your choruses are very hook laden it's like okay something that i'd listen to Mm. it's got the pop sensibility but it's interesting enough to be different you do like a lot of the falsetto stuff as well yes yeah i mean i i guess you know for the last I would say growing up, but yeah. growing, early years growing up, it was, you know, my country was a big country music family. So it was really? Shania yeah. Twain, it was Garth Brooks. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, when you start finding your own music and stuff, like I listened to, yeah, I did listen to a lot of Matchbox, mm-hmm. a lot of Cannon Crows. Cannon Crows. Um, a lot of John Mayer stuff. Yep. Um, see you that. <laughs> some Dave Matthews in my uh, late teens <laughs> sort yeah. of era. Um and then, uh, but people will say all the time, oh, did you hear this guy? Did you hear this guy? And I'm like, I have a very uh, in-depth knowledge of the music that I do listen to, and I could probably right. give you almost all the words off of every song that is on my iPod. Yeah. But if it's not... Then you don't know the direct details. I don't, well, I don't know it at all. Really? Like if so you're you like, go hey, all did you hear Yeah, song. like if I know a song, I know the song. Yeah. I'll play the bass part and the guitar part, really? and I'll sing you the song. But if you ask me a song and you're like, oh, everybody knows this song, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. That's uh, amazing. Well, it's, it's a very, sh- I don't know if you want to call that a deep, shallow, a deep short knowledge or a shallow, broad knowledge, broad. but well, it's, I don't it's, know. It's, it's kind uh, of a focused thing. It's I, I dive in deep, I yeah. guess, but I, you can't do that with everything, right? No, I'm not, no that's I'm good. I'm not really... Uh, just listening to the radio and taking in every song. If I listen to the radio, I'm like, I like that song. I need to go find that song right. and go figure so you get, out everything. You get hooked on that one yeah. thing and then you're like, I got to find everything about it. You know, when people are like, oh, you, oh, you don't want to listen to that song again, dude. So I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing better than going back to a song you've heard when you were young mm-hmm. and then listening to it with your adult ears. It's like, oh, that triangle in the right ear sounds amazing. They got it. Panned slightly, yeah. a little bit of verb on it. You're like, when I was five, I just liked this song. Right. Yeah. And then you go back and you realize, like, the production on some of these songs are fantastic. Yeah. This is probably one of the reasons why I really liked this song, but I didn't know at the time. And this is a reason why this song was so big, because it sounded so good. 
Like there's yeah. there's reasons behind all of this stuff, and it's not just generally a fluke. Like most of these things are brought from the ground up. All oh, the songs that survive, they survive for a reason. For yeah, sure. exactly. They're um, they're good songs and they're done well. Yeah. I think my wife will still be surprised sometimes because she's also a, a, a country person. Yeah. And uh, she'll throw on some country song from, you know, my country era. And I'll, be mm-hmm. like, I'll start singing along and know all the you words. And she'll word. be like... Of course you do. She'll be like, when the last time you heard the song? I was like, I don't know, like 17 years ago. <laughs> like, Why do you still know the words? I'm like, I can't delete them. I don't know. Right. What, what's up there is If up they're there. there, they're there. I, don't know. I have a hard time like learning new songs. Mm-hmm. Because I've got so much stuffed up here. Well, so that's, that's why when you when, when we were trying to come up with a couple of cover songs to do, and it was like ah, this. I know. Uh, and I was just like, look, guys, we got for reference for everybody. We did a rehearsal, I think, in like November. Yeah. And we did a rehearsal in May before these guys left on tour, <laughs> and then we did a rehearsal at that nine a.m. the morning of the nine p.m. show. Yeah. Um. So at some point in June, I was just like, well. I know if we do Push by Matchbox 20 and uh, if it makes you happy by Sheryl Crow, I will walk right into those because right. I know how they're supposed to go and it won't be learning a song, it'll just be playing them. Yeah. And I think you said, oh, we used to do that and we did it in Santa. It's like, great, we'll do that. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. said, I think either you or Mark said you used to, it makes me happy. It's like, great, I'm going to do it in though because I'm not doing <laughs> that. And who fuck Fair enough. What do you um, got for plans for new stuff? Are you going to be releasing uh, some stuff this summer? I don't have a date, okay, but I do have an album that's fully recorded. <laughs> yeah, um, before I left to go to Edmonton last month, I spent the last two days before I left, and I was just like, I'm Obviously. finishing tracking anything that needs to be tracked for this, yeah. even any silly ideas I've had, because this has been an ongoing project for years. Um, except all of these other ongoing projects seem to take precedence, which is probably yeah. good, but. <laughs> um, yeah, so in so you're hard, theory, hard this to find is, time for yourself. Yeah, well, even like, I'm not gonna if I've got you know somebody that I'm working on an album for, I'm not gonna tell them. Yeah, can you just hold on though for a few months while I finish tracking my own album? Like, I'm, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. Um, and it's not fair to them for me to be like, let me just let me mix my stuff first before I get to yours. Like, I'm not fair enough. Um, maybe I should every now and then, or just block off time to finish it. But yeah. And I also don't really want to tell anybody. No, but your clients. Not come that first. I won't tell them <laughs> no, but if they've got a project they want to work on, like I usually want to work on it with them. I want to yeah. get. I want their stuff to get done and sound as good as it can possibly sound. Right. No, um, that's that's yeah. fun. So, but yes, the end result is I'll finish that later. <laughs> um, so before the year is out, we're gonna have to bully you into putting out uh, the album. I, or for the as spring? I look at the next few weeks. Uh, I've got my album that I need to mix and I've got, uh, Matt Brennan's album that right. I need to mix. And other than that, everything else is still in recording phases. Oh, sweet. So I'm like, so and I know I have time for the next two weeks. So one of those two is going to get a lot of work over the next little while. Perfect. Um, maybe both and so we'll see what I can do. It'd be nice to have something songs to work on between the two projects. Well, when you put it that way, it sounds like a lot. Okay, <laughs> a rough mix a day for the month of July. Let's put it that way. I will say that <laughs> by Giant Stock, I will at least have released another single, if Dope. not have the whole album ready to go. Do you have How's a that? single in mind? The album is going to be called Bottles. Dope. Um, 
as you may recall from the rehearsals. Yep. Um, I don't know if that'll be the next one that comes out or not. It probably will be because it it's also be, been mostly ready for. It's been stuck in my like, head since the show, so that might be a good thing. You know how I wrote that song? No. Uh, the file on the computer was called September fourth, twenty twenty. For I think it still is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I had this idea for a song and started writing it, and I was like, "Well, I'm here." So I wrote and recorded that entire song in the span of two hours on uh, September fourth, twenty twenty. After production and all, yeah. See, that's uh, there was a I made up like a like a, a beat for, for the, it yeah. that then Mark came in and did the drums to later. Yeah. But it had a it had a not just a demo, but the guitars that are on the track and everything were are all there. done that day. Um, I think that's how most great songs are written and done. Is once you start overthinking and over analyzing a song, yeah, it just gets it. lost in translation. Um, some of like the best songs, Nirvana songs, are done right there. Don't beat it to death. Like just get out your thoughts, and usually, while your thoughts are coming out and your natural instinct, it just shows the intuition of the player or the intuition of the writer to such a degree of honesty where it just works out perfectly. And that might be why that one has been stuck in my head so much because it's just such an instinctual song. How many uh, how many notes do you have in your? I don't know where you write, but oh, presumably dude. in your phone, perhaps. But how, how many unfinished notes do you have? A lot. Uh, I think it was Johnny a Johnny Resnick quote that mm-hmm. Goo Goo Dolls guy is like. I mean, it was in like the songwriting hall of fame or yeah. some shit for all the Goo Goo Dolls songs. Another um, uh, uh, good influence. Yeah, for you, yeah, yeah probably. Yes. Yeah said that songwriting is 10% inspiration and 90%, I was going to say perspiration, but that's not right, <laughs> but uh, basically stick to Like, yeah, like right. everybody's got an idea for a song, but you actually have to... You have to do it. You can't just write down, you know, a couplet and be like, great, that's two good lines. No, you just got to... I'm going to finish that in a few days, yeah, because you never yeah. will. You have to, uh, I find anyway, like if I take the time to, all right, that's a good idea. Go with it. Run with Just it. finish the song right then because you never yep. will otherwise. Unless it's like, I, oh, I'll I write the bridge quite later. A bit. You can get away early with writing the second verse yeah, or writing the bridge or totally. something. Totally. Get your melody but, down. But you got to finish at least the verse chorus. Of the song Give right me there. the verse and the chorus yeah. and then you can work with anything else later. Yeah. I think for writing, I, the bridge is for the musician. Mm-hmm. Have fun with the bridge. Take it in a new direction. And that's. that's something Tom Petty's like, yeah, give it a new life, man. Take, it, just take me somewhere new. 90% persistence. That's persistence. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Well, you got to stick you got to stick with it cuz otherwise it's just going to This industry it'll is sit, it'll sit in the drafts. Rigged up. It's going to sit in the drafts for <laughs> That yeah, man, I've got a lot years. of songs that haven't been written that I've started writing. There was a couple last month where I just came in. I was getting up at like, you know, the kids would go to school at 7:30. Yeah. And then the yeah, house was empty. Hours. So yeah. I was like I pick up a guitar and I'm like, oh, "Okay." And there was twice last month where I was like, all right, great. Boom. <laughs> I took the guitar, no case or anything, and just drove to the studio. And I was like, I'm recording some demo of this right now. <laughs> Man, that's honestly the best way to do it. It's... When I'm I'm much the same way, if I have an idea, just get it down. Otherwise, get it down. Otherwise, it's in the wind, man. It's, yeah. It's in the wind. It's, it's in the wind. It's not coming back. Speaking of in the wind, we got to know what has been something you wanted to get away from you at a live show or in a recording studio what has been something that's just been a bad memory 
one of the, uh, uh, like a Taurus story, I guess we'd say, blowing in the wind that you want to just <laughs> get out of your head? <laughs> a Taurus story. A Taurus story. Hmm. Hmm. Like about something that I, that, that. That you've been a part of or that you've uh, seen. Well, I mean, for me, and I guess one of the reasons I'm going to turn this into a shoebox plug somehow. Yeah. Um, but what was always challenging for me is trying to figure out, I don't know how people go to, go to gigs and perform without some semblance of a sound guy or at least a person in the audience that they trust to give them the adjustments and stuff. Yeah. Um, like, which turning into the shoebox plug, that's why we always have a sound person on hand that yeah. stage if we have a, if we have a, have a concert going yeah. on, a performance. performance. <laughs> um, because, you know, even if I'm doing, doing a show somewhere and I don't know the sound guy or I don't, I'm just like, I think, that sounded good in my ears or yeah. on my monitors, but I have sounded... no idea how it sounded out there. Anyway. Yeah, you want to have some kind of reference. Yeah. And like, you know, there's uh, a couple of weddings and stuff that I've done where it's like, you know, what weddings are like. Oh, I hate um, them. <laughs> Except for my own. That was a good one. Yeah, weddings. Uh, yeah. I also enjoyed my own wedding. <laughs> See, we're, um, we're not just paid to say that. I... Uh, Quite enjoy going to weddings. Uh, performing at them is a oh, is nightmare. a different thing. Nightmare. Um, That's a tourist story in itself. It's just I just started. I started bringing all of my own gear to any venue that I would play. Like me too. Um, well, or even you. if they had a house a house set of yep. speakers or anything, I'd be like, all right, but here's the mix that I took off my board, and please just plug this into your yeah, thing because I. That's what I know sounds good. Yep. And I know it will theoretically, for the most part, sound good anywhere. I've got it. I remembered the... I, I've now been able to turn this into the horror... The horror story. story. Which was actually here. It wasn't really my show, but... So occasionally we'll do, like, hip-hop shows and stuff downstairs. Right. And... Which are always kind of a blast. Yeah. Uh, different than what we normally do. Mm -hmm. And usually, uh, like... They'll all come with like different beats and different stuff, and sometimes yeah. they're different levels, and that's all easy enough. And then they oh. give me the vocals to mix, and then you can at least blend them together. Except the one of the one of the ones we did last year, all I got was two outputs from the DJ. So some tracks were way different. Well, but it wasn't a separate vocal track. He was mixing the vocals in his in his in ear monitors. Oh, no. and I was like, okay, but that means I can't. I can basically I can do a live master of what this What's concert going is. On? Yeah. I can lower the frequency that the vocal mic so comes in if it's hot. Or, so I was literally there with the EQ of the master track, just trying to be like, all right, uh, that vocal's too low, so I guess I'll boost roughly where the vocal is, and I guess I'll bring like I was still trying Chasing to do frequencies. I was still trying to do the work. I guess I should have just been like, fuck it, it's your show, man. Yeah. Do your thing, but I didn't want it to sound bad, so I was like, all right, you still I'll worked try. with what you had, but it was just like here, take. This basically what equates to a master file, or take yeah. nothing. Here's you my have, track. You have a stereo mix of what this guy's hearing in his ears, basically. And I was just like, "That's scary." He was like, "Yeah, man, I got it. I got it perfectly in my ears." And I was like, "But your ears aren't the room, man. Like, that's not what it sounds yeah, like." Yeah, exactly. And every room is different. People that uh, people that know music, or people that have been in different rooms, you know that your mix on your saved mix is not going to be the same in one room as it is in the other. Yeah. There's always, you got to bring out your frequencies to make sure that's going to fit what right in this room. This isn't going to peak. Yeah, it was just like the removal of the 
the control <laughs> of possibility to do anything about it really was just like, all right, well, I'm just kind of going to sit here and I was like, I could have went home. Yeah. I didn't. I tried to, See, I if tried the, to if work a room has it, a designated sound guy, yeah. here's all my stuff. And yeah. that's so much better. And make sure you just don't have like the bartender doing your sound because that's... That sucks. Unless the bartender's an engineer or they know a Even bit. Even then, though, man, there's so much stuff to do just oh, wow. to, like, as the bartender, to also be like, Serving. and also they're going to be checking around the room and seeing what sound yeah, is going exactly. on. Yeah, exactly. You know, it depends what it is. And not every place does that, I guess. I keep getting, um, I guess we'll call them musical artworks, I guess, mm-hmm. Uh for different birthdays from my mother over the years. That seems to be the, oh, cool. the, the gift she's defaulted to is somehow visual art with a musical thing. Um, I can remember two of them offhand. One of them is very, very uh, ubiquitous and, and sort of genius, and that is, uh, it's just this, you know, musical figure and it just but the quote on it says music is the universal language it is yeah like it doesn't matter if you're hearing you know african tribal music or you're hearing you know indian music. indian music yeah. or folk music or, or or whatever um it's that beat you can understand what it is yeah and you can enjoy it or not enjoy it and you can right. enjoy different types of music and everything I mean, it doesn't matter what language you speak or where you're from if you dig it you dig it right? yeah um the other one is uh somewhat hilarious pun of uh i think it just says without music the world would be flat <laughs> uh, yeah. also I like good I uh, like that. not as profound perhaps um but but nonetheless good nonetheless true. nonetheless true it would be flat i love it so in closing i gotta know what your biggest piece of advice is for any upcoming musician and or entrepreneur trying to get into this business Advice. Um, don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you have to. This will sound cheesy because it is, but it's also very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to follow your heart with it. You have to do what it is that you want to do do what you're feeling in terms of writing in terms of the sort of music you want to make in terms of if you want to do it at all yeah if you want to take it um you know as serious as somebody that plays a couple of coffee houses great do that play a couple of coffee houses have fun with that if you want to take it seriously enough to do it as a career be prepared to do that because it is not a uh a light-hearted endeavor that i would recommend if you're not (laughs) um a hundred percent committed to doing it because it is not easy. Um, but that's what I mean by follow your heart. Like if that's what you is, what you want to do and you know, it's what you want to do and you'll have 8,000 different people. If your life is anything like mine telling you, well, maybe, you know, that's not like a career. (laughs) Maybe that's just like a hobby or maybe it's like, but if it is great, that's fine. Yeah. But if it's truly what you feel you want to do, like, you gotta go then all you, in with it. You gotta go all in. Mm-hmm. And you've gotta you've gotta live it and breathe it and you know yeah, I spend, you know, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy hours a week here. <laughs> You're devoured by music. But other than being home with my wife and kids, like I don't want to be anywhere else. No. I'm either here or I'm there. If you can't find me, go to one of those two places <laughs> and I'll be in one of those two places. Yeah. Uh there's a lot of other stuff that I've stopped doing or don't have the time to do or anything, but 
never do I look at the time that I spend here or playing shows or mm -hmm. writing music as a job or an obligation or anything other than this is what I want. What I want to be doing. Yeah. What is that? Uh, find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's, it's very well put. It's not entirely true. It does still sometimes feel like work, but <laughs> that's, that's comes it's down to work. when stuff goes wrong or mm -hmm. if people are unprepared, there's all the things that go along with it. That's the same in any career that you choose. And I think all of those little side traveling and everything else, it's all worth it for that prize at the end. You finish your song or your mm -hmm. your product's done and you go to celebrate and work on the next thing. The stage show. The, the stage show. Well, Ian, uh, thanks for me. you having me today. I'm, uh. in, I'm in your studio. Um, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be seeing more of each other as we prep for the next show together. Yeah. And we prep for uh, maybe some new songs to write together. We should probably do that. Yeah. That'd be fun. Seems like a good idea. But until then, stay classy. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll catch up with you soon. All right, brother. Nice talking to you. Big thanks to my pal Ian Camp for hopping on the show. If you have a chance and you're in the New Glasgow area, go check out Shoebox Cantina and Shoebox Studios. We'll catch you next time on... What's going on?